You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. In today's message, Pastor Josh continues into week six of our series on the Ten Commandments and preaches on the Sixth Commandment, Don't Murder. Let's listen today asking God to speak to us, to give us insight, and to show us things about Himself we need to see. Well, good morning, church. How are we? Great. If you have your copy of God's Word, would you open to Exodus chapter 20? Exodus 20, verse 13 is one of the passages that we are going to be looking at together this morning. Uh, and as you are turning there, I pray if, if this is uh, week six of your six weeks in this series of the Ten Commandments, I pray that you are growing with excitement each and every week as we open God's Word and we see the treasure that it is before us. But maybe you're here today for the very first time. And I want to say thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for, for, for coming to be a part of worship here at Broadmoor and being alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ here. I would encourage you this morning as you hear these Ten Commandments, and no doubt you have probably heard about the Ten Commandments your whole life. Uh, maybe you have seen them uh, posted outside government institutions or schoolhouses, or maybe in your Sunday school class, they were always on the board, and, and maybe they have just become this, this thing. When you think of the Ten Commandments, in your mind, all you see are two stones on a wall and nothing more. I would encourage you to not let that be your view of these sacred texts. For in this text is so much more than just wall art. So much more than just uh, uh, pieces of stone that we, we, we treasure and, and, and we, we hold high and esteem it as it, it probably should be. But these laws, these commands, these words that God gives to his people had a very specific purpose and a goal in mind. And that is part of our aim this morning as we continue to walk faithfully in that goal. Now, a little bit of a confession time as we get started this morning. The confession is this. Each week in this series, I have found myself more excited than the last to, to preach the one that's coming. But also mixed with that excitement, I found myself feeling a, a spiritual weight. And I share that with you quite often. And, and it's a spiritual weight that fluctuates throughout the week, but usually culminates on the Saturday as I'm putting in final preparations for the sermon for this morning, for, for the Sunday's sermon. And the weight is really this, when, it, when I boil it down and I try to figure out why do I feel what I feel. And I think it boils down to this, I, I want to do well and I want to be good and faithful. I want to do well with the text that God has trusted to us and I want to be good and faithful to him and I want to be good and faithful to you. And so I, I feel a weight each and every week for that because I know that God has, has trusted, number one, trusted me to, to preach this word, but I think equally as weighty, God has trusted to me, you, to hear this word. And, and what the author of Hebrews tells us is that for ministers, particularly pastors who expound on the Word of God, we will be held accountable for what and how we taught. And so in there, there, there is a weightiness behind it. But I don't want to absolve you of any weightiness at all. I think misery loves company, right? Yeah. And so if you remember and you were journeying with us through these Ten Commandments and we got to the, the commandment that said, do not take the Lord's name in vain. And for those who, who weren't here for that, that sermon, please go back and, and listen to that or, or go back and, and do a little bit more in-depth study because a lot of times we look at that command and say, well, as long as I don't tie God's name to some colorful language, then I should be okay. Well, that command really has nothing to do with the language you use, although I think Christians should have a different language. 
It has everything to do with we have been trusted with the name of God, the character of God, and we are trusted to hold it high for all the world to see and experience. And so with that, it's not just a fact that, that on a Sunday morning, your pastor comes before you and he holds up the word and he says, this is the word of the Lord. This is his character. This is what he is like and here's how we are to respond. For that in itself is good and right, I believe. But in the same way, you and I as Christians, brothers and sisters in the faith, have been trusted with that very same task when we leave these doors each and every day. So your Monday or your, your Sunday at, at 1045 all the way through next Sunday at 930 a.m., you are tasked with the job of holding high the name and the character of God for all the world to see and experience. And so there is indeed this weight that we feel. Now, in that weight, we, we can go back to last week's sermon. Whenever we, we talked about when we're going through these Ten Commandments, we're going to, to feel, number one, they seem pretty simplistic. Like, they're, they're, there's a list of do's and there's a list of don'ts. And, and as long as we keep doing the do's and don't the don'ts, then we should be right. But when we get to the heart of each of these commands, we're going to find that we are woefully unable to keep them like we should. And so there, there is this, this picture, and we, we put it up on the screen last week for you to, to remember this picture of, of us being tasked with the law of God that we put around our shoulders, and we begin to walk into a direction by ourselves and in our own strength, and we can't. And we find ourselves in that moment tired, exhausted, and then we give up. But Jesus invites us in Matthew chapter 11, I want to read it to you again, it'll be on the screen, Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30, come to me all you who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So we, we have this picture that we looked at last week that Jesus invites us in not to stop, not to not work, but to work alongside him. For he is the one in this yoke, this picture of, of two oxen in a field who are working, one being stronger and more mature and more seasoned, and the other being young and weaker, but learning the way. And so they would take the stronger one and pair it with the younger one to teach the younger one the ways. Jesus says, come to me and come alongside me, and I will teach you the way. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's this picture in all of it, in all of our woeful inability, that we are to come alongside our Lord and we are to rest in his guidance in our life. So when we come to text, much like the one today, that we can say, Lord, here I am, all of me. I know that maybe on some level I can keep a command, but on the heart of the command, no way. And so, Lord, I relinquish it to you, and I trust that you are going to lead me and guide me to a way that brings you most glory and the world most good. So with that, I would love for us to, to jump in to this command this morning. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. It's three words in the ESV, but two words in the Hebrew. The three words in the ESV is, do not murder. Seems pretty simple. When we were doing our staff prayer time this morning, the thought was we're going to read that and lead the invitation and go home. Seems pretty self-explanatory, right? But like all the others, this command is rooted in the character of God and in his call that he has placed on all of his children. So in Exodus 19, going back and remembering this, that God tells his people who they are and what they are to do. He gives them two tasks. So in Exodus 19, he tells them that you are to be a kingdom of priests 
and you are to be a holy nation. And so all of the Ten Commandments should be viewed as that task. So God says, be a kingdom of priests, live as a holy nation, one that is set apart, different than all the others. That is their call, and that is our call on our life for everyone who has trusted him. So if you're going to love God and serve people in his names, the Ten Commandments makes complete sense. Just a a recap, right? So first command, have no other gods. It's going to be hard for you to be a kingdom of priests and have multiple other gods. It's going to be hard for you to be a a nation that's set apart for him if you have other gods. Same as carved images, this this mentality that we have sometimes to, to make the divine earthly. And so we will take what we know about him and put it in something that we can control, whether it would be something that is of the created order. And we will say to it, I will worship it. When I have it in my presence, I will feel better about my life. When it is further away from me, I will feel anxious about my life. For nothing made by human hands is God. But it's hard for us to be a kingdom of priests when we have carved images in our life. Taking the Lord's name in vain. We talked about it a while ago. It's really hard for us to hold high the banner of God, his character, and his countenance if we have other banners that we are holding up in its place keeping the Sabbath day holy? It's really hard. It's really hard for us to stay on task if we don't take that time each and every week to focus on who he is and what he has done for us, to rest in his grace and his sovereignty. And then last week, we talked about honoring your father and mother, that even in this command, it is one of the first horizontal commands where we start to one another, one another. And this idea of honoring is this idea of tipping the scales in the honor of our mother and father because we know that God was sovereign in his giving them to us, good or bad. In our experience, good or bad, God was sovereign in who he gave to you as a mom and a dad. But even in that command, it's so much bigger. It is about trusting God's sovereignty and his plan in our life, right? So going back to the sixth command today, do not murder. You shall not murder. The two words in the Hebrew, they're a lot of fun to say. Are you ready for a Hebrew grammar lesson? The the first word is lo, right? Which which means never. And you're going to see that repeated through some of the commands that we move towards uh, uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10. So so lo, gratcha. And it's this idea of of never murder. The description of murder here, the, the essence of the word, is taking innocent life unlawfully. Now, that phrase is absolutely loaded. We are not here today to parse out who can we kill and who can we not. We are not here to parse out our our government and judicial system. We are not here to parse out what happens if I am angry or not angry or if they deserved it or didn't deserve it. I'm telling you what the command of God says. Don't murder. Don't don't kill. Two, Two words meaning don't take innocent life unlawfully. Now, I will tell you this. These words, the the two words that I just mentioned to you that we see in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, they are different words than are used for the Old Testament's use of war, capital punishment, or when God directs people to take others' lives. 
Okay? And again, this isn't the time and place for that word study, although if you are interested, and I think you should be, it's good for you to go and study God's word throughout the week. So go and find the differences in what this passage means compared to war. Is there such thing as a just war? Is there such thing as capital punishment in the sense of in a way that it honors God? It is something in your Christian faith that you should be considering. So what we are looking at today is taking innocent life unlawfully, okay? The sixth command says, do not murder. But the meaning and the goal of this command is so much bigger than not taking life. It is about honoring, respecting, giving, and celebrating life. For this is exactly what God does. And think about it, right? Now, I know, depending on if you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, you, you could have an argument here. But whenever you think about God, your first thought isn't usually not killing me. Your first thought about God generally, if you have a, a good relationship with him and a right understanding of him, is God is gracious in all that he has given me. And so when we understand this command, understand that we are his ambassadors. We have been tasked to be a kingdom of priests and to be a holy nation. Therefore, don't take people's life unlawfully. Don't, don't be a taker of life. Instead, be a giver of life. Remember, God's people have this high calling of being priests in a nation that is different. A great way for a minister to be able to be priestly in their duties is to not kill Here's an illustration, silly as it may be, but hang with me if you will. This would be us wanting to, to minister in the name of God, us wanting to hold the banner high. Let me tell you, friend, about my good and faithful God, for he is merciful, he is gracious, he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He forgives iniquity and sin generations down the line. Isn't that a good God? Also us, what'd you say to me? You cut me off in traffic? Come here, let me talk to you. You said something mean about a celebrity or a politician that I've never met but I really like? Come here, let me lay holy hands on you and pray about it. It's really hard to minister like that. Yet we find ourselves, if we are honest, and we should be, between those two worlds. Even as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that we are called to be different than any other nation on this planet. We, our kingdom, our citizenship belongs in heaven, and that is our holy abode. So we live there, yet we still find a really sweet spot here. We know that we're called to minister in Jesus' name, give life, speak life, talk about grace and mercy and the goodness of God, for we have experienced it and we want to share it. But also, you, you take two seconds and rub me wrong, I'm going to tell you about it. You do something that's going to hurt me or, or perceived struggle, then I'm going to come at you angrily. It's, it's, really, it's really hard for us to minister like that. We sometimes joke and we would say, oh, man, I, I would just, I can't, I, if I had a chance, I'd put my hands on that guy. Or if I had a chance, I'd just tell that person off. You may sit here this morning, you say, Pastor, I hear you, but you don't know the type of people that I'm dealing with. You may not want to kill them. I may not want to kill them, but that whole laying holy hands thing sounds really appealing to me. This command is a reminder that 
as all of the commands are, that we should deal with one another in a way that God has dealt with us. Okay? So at the core of it, you're going to hear this in the don'ts as we move towards the end of our Ten Commandments series. Think about in all the things, the prohibitions that God has given. This one, don't murder. Has God murdered you? No? Great. Then don't murder. What has God done for you? He's breathed life into you every single day. He's spoken life over you every single day. That even while you are sleeping, God sings over you with blessing and praise. Do the same to the people around you. That's the call that God has put on our lives. Yet, we live in this world long enough, and we are told that it's about us. It's about what we want and what we desire. And so those two worlds conflict with one another. And we find ourselves in a way that we want to honor God, but we also want to get ours. And so here's the tension that we find ourselves in. This command is a reminder, as all the commands are, as we one another, one another. A reminder that we are to be and live like the one who created us. To be and live like our Father in heaven, the one who sustains us. And we are also to remember that we are not to be like our enemy, Satan. So let's go to the New Testament just quickly, and I want to to point your attention to to probably my favorite verse in all of the Bible. When people ask about life verses, when when people would bring that, that topic up, this is the verse I always share as my life verse. It's John 10, chapter, uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. John 10, 10. Here's the verse. This is Jesus speaking. The thief comes only to steal to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus uses a name for Satan here that is, of course, 100% accurate. He calls him the thief. He says that Satan, that, that the thief, only desires three things, and that's to steal, to kill, and destroy Those who the thief, this is who the thief is in his character, and this is what the thief does. And those who do the same thing carry his name high for all to see and all to experience. Let me say that one more time. To steal, to kill, and to destroy is what the enemy does. That is his character. And for those on this side of eternity, those humans who steal, kill, and destroy, they are no longer holding the banner of a merciful and good God high, and instead they hold high the name of the enemy. The character of the one who is our adversary, who wants nothing more than to see us killed and our life destroyed. And so I hope that even in the simplicity of that, there begins to grow in you a holy tension to know that in our lives, there should not even just be no killing, there should be no desire of ending someone. It even goes deeper than that. That the picture here that's on display for for all of us to understand is that every human, and this is hard, but please bear with me, every human ever created, and I mean every human, was created as an image bearer of God. 
Every human. And I know right now there's a, there's a, a, a list a mile long that says, yeah, but what about this guy? What about this girl? What about this group? What about these people? No way. God created them to bear his image. They have chosen not to. Instead, they have chosen to bear the image of their earthly father, the enemy, the one who is the father of this world. Jesus says this. He says, I have come that they may have life, and they may have it abundantly, and as ambassadors of God's name. Why in the world would we ever willingly become ambassadors of the enemy? To kill another human is into effect to innocently take a life unlawfully is the same as killing the representation of God. The opposite of killing and murdering is to give life, to celebrate it, to honor it, and to cherish it. That's why when we get to the New Testament writings, we see the encouragement to build one another up throughout every letter. Because in doing so, we are building up the image of God for the whole world to better see and experience his goodness. The opposite of taking a life. That's what the enemy does. He takes. But God is the giver of life. Therefore, his people should be people who give life. You may be sitting here this morning thinking, Josh, I have never killed anyone. Pastor, you said that this would be hard and I couldn't do these commands in my own strength. So I'm all good on this one. Can I give you one more passage this morning? Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Buckle in. Are you ready? Okay, I love you. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Matthew 5, verses 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders would be liable to judgment. That's what we just heard in the Ten Commandments. Jesus says, verse 22, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the fire of hell. You see, Jesus and his absolute authority links murder and anger together as one and the same. You may have never taken someone's life physically, but have you ever been angry with somebody? Have you ever insulted somebody because they wronged you? Jesus says they are the same thing. They are born from the same place in the heart and in the mind. And here's where that that place is, right? It it is essentially this. I'm right and you're wrong. It's my timeline, not your timeline. You hurt me, therefore I'm going to hurt you worse. But ultimately, right now in the situation when we act out, whether it would be to take someone's life unlawfully, innocent life unlawfully, or to be angry with them, it comes down to this at the core sin, I believe. I'm God right here. I'm God. I make the call. I make the choices. I have found you guilty, and I'm innocent, and I want you gone. 
You say, Josh, why, that's, that's, that's a little much for being angry. Is it, though? Like, I, I joke. I joke in the anger of somebody just kind of cutting you off in traffic, but even still there. If somebody, if, if, you're, if you're coming down Highland Colony, and somebody pulled in front of you at the red light right there by Primo's coming this way, and you can't believe, I can't believe they pulled in front of me. They don't know how to drive. And you both hang a right right here into the Broadmoor parking lot on Sunday morning. <laughs> and then you park next to that person. And they look at you, and you look at them, and you are just raging mad. What are you going to do? Look at them. Hey, guys. <laughs> Blessed morning, isn't it? <laughs> Even the slightest inconveniences throw us into a sinful rage. And so as we come to this text this morning and we begin to have to deal with it, what do we do with the anger that lives in our heart? And it begins to grow and, it, and it's born out of this idea that, that evidently somewhere along the way we have not trusted in who God is and God's plan for us. If I could help you think of the sovereignty of God in this way, and I, and I know there's some people who don't like this, but I'm okay with you not liking this. I just want you to consider it, okay? That everything that God puts in your path, he has seen it and saw fit for you to carry it. Okay? So for the person who cut you off in front of Primo's, God saw fit for that to happen. Maybe God wanted you to slow down. Maybe God was keeping you from something if you would have kept going. Maybe God has something for you in that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to espouse on what God is doing in that life. But what I am telling you is God's sovereignty covers that. And a lot of times in our life where anger comes the most red hot is because we get mad at God's plan. And we like to take it out on other people, but ultimately it's focused at him. It, it sounds something like this in our heart. God, you had your chance and you blew it. It's my turn now. God, I know vengeance is yours. I got it. You're taking too long. I got it. I know you said everybody's going to be held accountable for the sins that they have committed against us and against this world. But I got it, God. You're taking too long. That's where that anger is born out of. So what do we do with it? As we move into our response time this morning, I want you to consider some things. So what, what do we do with this? I would say it's the same thing we do with every insufficiency we have. I want you to listen to Jesus' invitation again, born out of Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What that means is, Come to me, all you who have seen the call, but keep failing. All you who have started the journey, but found it to be incredibly exhausting and incredibly long, and I can't, I can't finish the task at hand, Jesus says, I know, come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Come alongside me. Join on side of me. Let me lead you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and, and you will find rest for your souls. No doubt when we get to anger, 
and probably to the other commands and prohibitions that we are going to walk through in the next coming weeks. There is this idea that our souls, we thought on some level, were healthier than they actually are. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. That soul that you thought was better off than it is, I knew it wasn't. Come to me and I will give it rest. This command isn't for an outside world only, although it is. It is primarily, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, to believers. That each and every day we are to wake up and to connect our soul and our heart again to the Lord Jesus. That's not to be resaved. That is not to rededicate our life. That is simply us in obedience to wake up and say, Lord, this task is before me today. Help me walk in your will and your word. And I can't do that without you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But as our team comes back out and we move into this response time, I don't want us to miss a very practical and real application to this. Number one, what do you do if you actually killed somebody? Like so far, we we talked about it, and then we moved to the theoretical and and hatred and and anger in your heart that's born out of Matthew chapter 5. But what happens? What happens if you actually took someone's life? What do you do with that? Because what we heard... What, what Jesus says, that, that even in the anger, that you are going to be judged. Even more so would be the understanding if, if you actually took the life. Well, what happens, though, if, if, if we have taken someone's life or we have allowed anger to rule our heart every day and what Jesus would say, that murder physically and anger emotionally are linked together? What do you do? I would encourage you with 1 John chapter 8, 9, and 10. If you, again, if you were one of those types who like to highlight and underline in your Bible, if you like to take notes and remember a passage that brings incredible hope no matter what season you're in, this is one of those verses you want to have. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8, 9, and 10. What, what, what do we do when our sin is before us? Verse 8 of 1 John 1, if we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. Church, how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. Don't ever let the enemy think, make you think something different. Because we can, in moments like this, with, with, with topics like this, and say, well, I could see God forgiving me for just like being angry in my heart, but if I actually took somebody's life, no way God can forgive that. What did First John just tell you? All unrighteousness. All sin is forgiven in Jesus Christ. But if you say you don't have sin, what it says is you have deceived yourself. For all of us have fallen short of God's glory. All of us, whether you have taken somebody's life or just been in anger, that is enough to separate you forever, for eternity, from the goodness of God. So what do we do? We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him alive. His word is not in us. So as we come to our 
time of response this morning. No doubt we all have a response. Because even though the command, the, the prohibition is don't murder, don't kill, don't, don't take innocent life unlawfully. The command is also exactly the same weight that it bears. Don't let anger rule your heart. Don't hold bitterness against your brother or sister. Those two are the same thing. So this morning, you've heard the command. What do you do with it? I pray that 1 John 1 would resonate in your heart. Confess your sin to the Father. Be forgiven. Confess your sin to the Father and be cleansed of all unrighteousness. Do we still have anger in our life? Yes, certainly. Do we surrender it to Jesus every day? Absolutely. I was once asked, actually many times asked, how many times should we go to God and ask for forgiveness? Another way to hear that is how many times should we repent? I think every other second is about sufficient for you. I don't know about you. Maybe you're better off. Maybe it's every three seconds. church, while we're on this side of eternity, our sin nature is still there. It, it, is, it is given to the Lord Jesus, and we are yoked next to him. But there will be times and seasons and spaces where that sin begins to bubble up, and you need to do something with it. And the worst thing we can do is hide it. To act like it's not there, to act like everything's okay. For you've heard the word of God today. Come, confess, be healed, be forgiven, be cleansed. If you don't, then you live with that cancer growing inside of you. Don't let the enemy get a foothold in your life. Even, even worse, don't let him trick you into believing that you need to hold up his character and his name. Stealing killing and destroying. Instead, we hold up the name of our God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving sin for generations to come. Church family, would you pray with me as we move into our response time? Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the joy of worship. Goodness of this sweet Christian fellowship. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that no matter where they are or what they've done and what their experience has been with this command, God, that you and your grace would convict them. The grace of conviction, not, not to be seen as you being angry. Conviction is a sweet gift that the Spirit gives to us that draws us back to you to understand that in you is the well of forgiveness and cleanliness. So help us come yet again to confess our sin and to find rest for our weary souls. For all who have angered, for all whose hearts have been stuck in a place of bitterness, God, please free us this morning for all who carry the weight of something that maybe they have done that still haunts them in their dreams. Father, please forgive them and free them this morning. For in you, 
there's complete forgiveness of sin and complete cleanliness to our soul. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name that we pray and we now stand and respond. Church, would you stand with me?